Hi, and welcome to a special Perihelion edition of the Laser Science Podcast. This show is for January 4th, 2014, which is the Perihelion, uh, which is the day when the Earth is closest to the Sun. This isn't like a normal episode. Uh, Today we review a short list of interesting science and engineering projects from 2013, but overall we're pretty unfocused, so please don't take this as a representative of our usual shows. If you don't mind rambling and unscientific commentary, then you might like this episode. But if not, please come back next week and we'll have a better show for you. Alright, thanks. Hi, welcome to Laser the Material Science Podcast. Uh, this is the end of the year review show, um, and this week I have Chase and a new co-host, Chris Travers, with us. Um, so, Chris, why don't you tell us about yourself? My name's Chris Travers. I go to Michigan State University, Cameron, and uh, my research primarily centers around organic photovoltaic devices. Can we have somebody on the show who doesn't work with photovoltaics? For I once? don't work with photovoltaics. Yeah, but you also work with stupid crap. I work with quantum computing. Yeah, that's stupid. Whatever. You work with. You used to work with spaceships. Yeah, that's and missiles. Rad. Yeah, that's super rad. Yeah, so that's what we we still introduce you as the missile guy. Missile guy. Chase is the missile guy. Chase and Cameron's the guy who's going to single handedly put all electrical engineers out of a job in a few years. Am I quantum computing? Why is that going to have to do with electrical engineers? Because that's all they—that's all they work with, like semiconductors and stuff. And once quantum computing finally takes off, somebody has to do quantum computing. Yeah, there's going to be one guy Qu- sitting at a console. Question mm-hmm. about quantum computing: Is it radiation sensitive? Yes. Then there will never. Then it will never replace the electrical engineers in the aerospace industry, ever. Okay. Yeah, it's not the same as computing. It's used for special applications. We also use the, and also the aerospace industry still uses the semiconductors that were designed back in the seventies. Yeah, because they are big, blocky, and impossible, and a lot more impervious to solar radiation. Except, hey, Newman's Research Group, we have the perfect storm because my uh, undergrad project was on radiation hardening. So, so maybe we can radiation harden these quantum computing computers. It's just a lot easier to put a big, thick lid on the thing. Maybe, maybe. Maybe this is also important for overthrowing them in case they take over the world. <laughs> overthrowing the quantum computers? Yeah. Well, that's why we have to leave them vulnerable. That's why we have to all live in space? Is that what you're suggesting? Yes. We all live in space. I am suggesting that everybody lives in space forever. All right. Like well, you go find yourself a Lagrange point and, you know, we'll meet yeah. you out there. I'll meet you at L2 and... Uh... L2, L3 and L4 where it's at. Represent. <laughs> <laughs> why L3 and L4? I don't, I, don't want to be in that, I don't want to be in that well between the Earth and the Moon. That sounds like lame. Okay. It's easy, though, because it's a good place to start to go to, like, yeah. Mars and that So what you're telling stuff. me is that you're lazy. You're super lazy, and you're going to go to the easiest Lagrange point. I'm going to go to L2, because <laughs> that's easy. 
guy. Yeah, you yeah. sick. You you sicken me. It's interesting You're still. Gross. It's inter- you can study the moon. I'm gonna go, go to L three and L four. Okay, they're the All most right. stable. Oh, okay, that's fine. Anyway, Chris has no so. idea what we're talking about. <laughs> no, non aerospace industry worker here. Well, okay. Right. Well, imagine it's it's like photovoltaics, except in no way is it like photovoltaics. <laughs> I figured. Well, Chase, why don't you explain what the Lagrange point is? It's stable. It's like a, it's just a gravitationally stable area where you can just throw something up there and it won't like shift position as much. It, like, well, the L two isn't a true Lagrange point though, because you no L two is a is an unstable. Yeah, it's, it's a unsta- maxima, not a minima. Yeah, that's right. So it's just like there's a there's, you know it's like you know how you know how uh, bodies that produce a lot you know like large mass objects with a lot of mass produce uh, sort of like dips in space time. Mm-hmm. All right. Well. Or the you know so like with the with those gravity wells, the Lagrange points are points that aren't necessarily in orbit around one of those bodies, but are shaped by all the surrounding bodies that are just stable areas, stable areas that have like low uh, gravitational energy. It's just where the it, so basically it's it's where it's easier if you just think of it as a scale. It's where the gravity on both sides is equal, so you just hang out there. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. So you have, if you have two large bodies of something... Okay, well, think about... Think you have about, the Earth and the Sun. There's yeah. a point in between the yeah. Earth and the Sun where the gravity is equal. So you okay. just hang okay. out there and well, think about. I find it easier as an analogy to think about as a topographical map. Like, you, you have a blanket, mm-hmm. and then you just have, like, all these ridges caused by, um, you know, different... If you put, like, you know, if you just, like, move different objects to different parts of the sheet, and you'll wrinkle it up, you'll find... Sometimes you'll find between two peaks... You find a little valley, and in that valley would be the Lagrange point. Okay, that makes slightly more sense. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So we- anyway, for this for this <laughs> show, um, we've gone through a bunch of the lists of uh, the best scientific advances and the best scientific papers of 2013. And by we, we mean Cameron. Yeah. And by a bunch of we mean one. No, there were three one lists. lists. I went through three at lists. least three. Oh, you yeah, actually went through all three. I think, I think he you was, only went with the one with the He best. definitely no. was vying for statistical rigor by going through at least three lists. I went through at least three lists. That's, wow. Yes, that's a whole sigma right there. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so, and I picked out the papers that I didn't think were boring or uninteresting or that I didn't know anything about. Uh, <laughs> so, basically, out of like the top one hundred lists, he selected maybe five articles because he has ridiculously high standards for what isn't boring and also he or he picked a couple of articles about bees i had one article about bees that i it was so stupid i counted it as two <laughs> okay so at the end of the year we're doing all the stupidest articles we can find yes um he also he also got an article about koala poop did i the eucalyptus, the eucalyptus thing crap. oh yeah it's koala poop, man. There I can is. I can follow the process through to the end. We're talking about koala poop. All right. So, what do we want to talk about first? I don't know. You're the you're, you're the MC of this. Yeah, but I don't actually parade. have my list up. Well, I do. So <clears throat> I just closed it. So Science mag. All right. So first one on your list is creating a false memory in the hippocampus. Sure. Okay. So um, this is the one where they. Uh, they shocked the feet of mice, and <laughs> under they shot. Wait, whoa, 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 whoa! I just read the abstract. They shocked the feet of mice. Yeah, like just the feet. 
Yeah, so the, I don't think the paper was very clear about it, but basically what one of the figures uh, shows is like a little platform without any mice on it. So I guess what they're doing is they're putting mice on a little platform and they're sending electric current through that. And it's to shock them and it's to, to generate some kind of a fear response in mice. So basically what, they're, what you're saying is that this isn't new research. They're just doing Pavlovian response with electrical signals rather than like, you know. Well, it's different because what they did is they they were testing the fear response to certain stimuli. Like where you play a sound and then you scare them. So yeah, it, it uses that, so but it's, it's not a test of that. No, it's, it's the Pavlovian response with negative reinforcement instead of positive reinforcement. That's, that's really yes, all you're doing. Except what they did was, the whole point was that they were able to go into the hippocampus of mice that have not been Pavlovianly conditioned and implant that same fake response. memories oh, okay. of a fear response. Mm -hmm. Um in these mice, so basically they're they're like, they're literally altering altering the memory huh. of these mice, and then the mice are scared so, suddenly, even though so, they have no reason to be scared. Okay, so I, I want, there are two routes I want to go with my response to this paper. One, I want to make fun of this because this is a really stupid thing to research, and two, I want to get really excited about it because this is the first step to my lifelong goal of becoming a cyborg. Is where, it? They're implanting fake memories in you, though, isn't it? Like, how would that be any different than just implant? Well, okay, so they're implanting fake memories in mice of them scurrying away from pain response. But that's step one to we can transmit false memories in humans of going to a phys astrophysics lecture, so you you don't have to actually go and get a college education. They can just download that into your brain. Okay. How right. rad would that be? I would, I'm going to, when, when that becomes an option, I'm going to have that shit installed that day. I'm going to be like, I'm going to run down there. It's like, I don't care if it's not covered by my HMO. You're installing that computer port. I want to download stuff like it's the matrix. It has been my dream since I first saw that movie. Okay. That's yeah, that I makes sense. Go, that's the route I want to go with that. But the other route is like, this is kind of like a two step process. This is a really overly complicated process to creating a false simple memory. Now with mice, obviously you can't you can't psychologically manipulate mice because Probably they're dumb. Can, but it's but I'm saying it's like you know people implant false memories in people literally all the time. You know, it's just that's you like, mean like hypnotist and therapist and that kind of stuff. I'm talking the police. The thanks police. For, thanks for the setup. <laughs> the police. That's a common interrogation technique is that they just go in and they just constantly tell you over and over that they know that you did X until you yourself don't remember that you didn't do X. And that's actually just like, the, so that's like, you know, how they get a lot of the false confessions up to something like 40 or 50% of confessions given are under, are false. People, Seriously? It's that high? It's very high. That's why, uh... That's why the best. That's why every lawyer, if you call them, will say, "Say absolutely nothing. You are not required to talk." But that's what I'm saying. It's like that's they'll they'll you can convince people that things happened or didn't happen if you tell them often enough. Because our memory is not like it's not linear. It's just sort of it's it's all associated with different you know stimulus responses, which is why. Um, if you smell something, it triggers memories, or if you smell, uh, or if you hear a noise, it triggers emotions that you would otherwise, if they put you in, you know, a completely, you know, colorless, smellless, you know, soundless room, mm -hmm. you wouldn't remember and told you, please try to remember, you know, what you, what you wore on your first date with, you know, like the love of your life. You would not, probably not be able to remember, but if they, you know, put you in an, if you play that song, 
had some of the smells in there, you would actually be able to, you know, trigger those memories to open up that where it is in your brain. That's a little bit of that psychological trickery. So this is kind of cool that they're doing this chemically, but if you're just like, if they're like, you know, we're looking to implant false memories, you can do a pretty good job just psychologically because people are not that bright. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's, that's kind of where I went immediately. It was, I thought, oh, this is terrible because they'll change like people's memories well, on one hand, and, would that really be such a bad thing? Because that could be a really good way to get over some traumas. If they change your memory to, like, remove the fear response you have to a certain thing, you can use that to treat all sorts of different phobias. Yeah. If you can map what areas of the hippocampus are triggered when you, like, when you have, like, the, like, arachnid response or whatever, they can just, they can just transplant, uh, I don't really know how it works. You can just, like, you know. Change it. They can that change makes, it. They can change sense. it. So that could be a, a, a medical therapy for phobia rather than psychological therapy. I think what I gathered from the article is, I'm going to get philosophical here, but we're, it's, this could also be used to kind of uh, turn society into kind of some kind of 1984-esque where, uh, you know, you can forcefully implant these memories into people saying like, oh, well, this government is the best government in the world. I would never, ever... Uh, approve of any other government we've been at war with oceania since the beginning of time <laughs> oh good we've got another paranoid on here yeah. <laughs> that makes three of us good that's, yeah that's, awesome. that's great we don't have any voice of reason now that's you're well, the voice of reason chase that's why, that's why you're here chase works for did you just hear me contract. rant about how the police are eliciting false confessions from people i think that's completely reasonable i mean that is true it's, i mean it's absolutely true <laughs> I really hope that he chooses as his transition music NWA because, you know. No justice, no peace. No. No justice. No peace. <laughs> okay. Oh, wow. All right. Well. What's next? The. <laughs> so, is what do you guys. Do you guys think that this is important? Should I have not left it on the list or not left it on the list? I don't know. I mean. This is a good article. This is one of the articles I actually kind of enjoyed on the list. <laughs> I just read the abstract, so I don't know. Okay. Fair I'm just, all I'm going to say is, if it means that someday that they'll be able to, you know, like, cycle, like you know, I'll be able to download a course in directly into my brain, that'll be great. I mean, I'm totally into that. I would love to be able to just download knowledge. Okay. That's all right. Cool. So the second story on the list is bees. Yes, it's it's bees. Um, the title of the paper is "Crop Pollination Exposes Honeybees to Pesticides, Which Alters Their Susceptibility to the Gut Pathogen Nosema serrante." And this was published in Plus One. Um, and Plus is spelled P L O S. It's Public Library of Science. I'm not sure. Wouldn't there be Plaus one? Plaus. 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 <laughs> Anyway, that is the kind of hard-hitting, witty commentary you come to Laser Science Materials podcast thing. <laughs> I don't even know the title of the podcast. That's okay. I just I don't care. That's all right. I don't think you never listened to it, so <laughs> forget what laser stands for. Laser stands for uh, Let's Agree Science and Engineering are Rad. Uh, you should do more engineering one, stuff then. One, he spelled laser wrong. 
Oh. I thought there was a Z in there. Why wasn't the... <laughs> No. Just give me a few seconds to think about that. <laughs> we all had to think about that. Minute. Why... That explains why I can never find it on iTunes. <laughs> Maybe that's why I never listened to it. You I know what lasers, sta- the acronym stands no, for. No, I didn't because that's abysmally stupid. No, light amplified by stimulated emission of radiation. I thought you spelled it wrong on purpose because laser is putting Z's and shit. That's 90s. There are no Z's in lasers. The, really, the why am I sleeping through right now? Oh, that was not good. I'm sorry. Cut wait, that! what? <laughs> so, in this paper... Oh, wait. There are Z's in laser. We're about to talk about bees. This is stupid. <laughs> all of us right now. <laughs> so, for this paper, they studied um, the pesticides and fungicides that were present in pollen that bees gathered and how it affects to colony collapse disorder. Which is like destroying all the bee colonies and stopping crops from being pollinated and, and all sorts of really bad stuff. Stuff that we've been hearing about for like a decade now. Yeah, so, so it's more environmental bullcrap about how, oh, don't use pesticides because they're bad for the environment. But this is actually finding a cause of colony collapse disorder. Wow, Chris, way to show you're like, I hate the environment. Yeah, are I you also, from Michigan or something? I, Screw the environment. I also hate outside. Cheers. <laughs> You guys sound like you're from Detroit or Arizona or something. Detroit or Detroit. <laughs> but okay, so so seriously, so I mean, I this article is a, is an important one. I get that, but for it to make the top 100 list, of yeah, I'm all not. Articles, see, the thing is, it's well, like right. I'm just okay. All I'm going to say about this is that every year people like to do an article about how all of the bees are dead. Yes, we've lost all the bees, but we and haven't lost all the bees yet. Yeah, clearly because they. I think I'm pretty sure that they have like a strategic bee reserve so they can bring some more out to die the next year, so we can talk about how all the bees are dying. Congress hasn't sold off the strategic bee reserve. Yeah, yet. we have a huge strategic bee reserve. <laughs> how do you think it's actually controlled by Burt's Bees? <laughs> Burt's Bees controls Burt's the U.S. strategic bee reserve. Of course. Are we making a real Doctor Bees here? I. To fight, um, to fight North Korea. Don't watch <laughs> Dr. Bees. Watch Dr. Bees. I'll put a link to it in the show notes. <laughs> the YouTube video. Anyway. But, so, the po- but the point is, it's just like, yeah. I mean, of course, it's important we find out why all the bees are dying. Because, you know, bees are rad. They give us honey, which is rad. And they pollinate all of our flowers, which is... I'm not going to say rad again. But I just <laughs> But on the it's other rad. hand... But on the other they hand, give us food, on the other hand it's like, as far as I can tell from the article... Yeah, you, you tested a couple pesticides and fungicides, and what were the conclusions? What they, <laughs> they saw that the the ones with a highest amount of this certain fungicide were more susceptible to this bee disease that is probably the cause of colony collapse disorder. Okay. So yes, all of the all of these articles every other year have been saying, "Oh, oh my goodness, we're out of bees; they're all dead." But now we're actually. Instead of just saying all the bees are dying and we don't know why, and how, how how well how well known is how well how widely distributed is this fungicide? I I don't know that. And what crops are is it used on? I don't. know. I mean, because that would be a pretty important thing. Because it's like you know, 
of course, as, as people who have written papers before, it's important to make your work sound a lot more grandiose than it actually is, especially if you want to get it published. <laughs> That's true. But what I'm saying is, it's like, so basically if this is used on, like, soybean farm, well, actually it's a big crop. If this is used on, like, <laughs> jicama crops in part of southern Arizona... You know, maybe it's not the cause of colony maybe collapse disorder. Maybe it's the cause of colony collapse disorder in that particular part of southern Arizona. That's true. But not necessarily like the silver bullet. It's like, yep, it's this fungicide. Stop using it. So it's like... I, I think it's a step, though. No, It's I'm, better than saying throwing your hands up in the air and saying, I have no idea. All the bees are just going to die and we're going to starve. Why wouldn't we just have robot bees? I, that's your job. You're supposed to get a job. Making robot Making bees. Robots. I make. If, maybe robot maybe bees. we can find a way to launch a missile that will pollinate all of our flowers. That actually seems like it could work. You just load up a <laughs> missile with pollen, boom, it explodes over your field. Bam, everything's pollinated. Salt. We don't need bees. <laughs> and also on fire. Man, nukes. <laughs> you can get one with low explosive. You're and gonna you have just... to, you're gonna have to disguise it as high explosive first, or else you're not gonna get funding from the government to build it. You have to disguise it as a weapon. Yeah, and then it turns out. Oh, just kidding! We just pollinated the Middle East. I don't pollinate the Middle East. They're gonna make us. They're gonna make me modify. They're gonna make us modify that missile to carry anthrax, aren't they? Yeah, powder well, dispersion. Well, maybe we don't. Even, maybe we don't even have to do that. We already have Scud missiles. Okay, we're good. We got this. How That's... do they do? How do they drop sarin gas on people? I don't know. You're the defense contractor. I resent your implication, sir. For my secret podcast on how to actually destroy, distribute sarin gas onto people. <laughs> your secret podcast? <laughs> Guys, I have a confession to make. I'm Ragnar Benson. <laughs> <laughs> Somehow I knew the whole time. <laughs> or I'm actually a 17... I'm a 74-year-old survivalist. You just... You wrote it all... In a short period of time when you were young. And I was seven. You first published it before you were born. I also uh, I also discovered time travel so I could be an arms dealer in Rhodesia. Oh, of course. All right. So, bees. Bees. Agreed. Man, they bees are awesome. They sting you and... I just hate, I just hate bees. Bees only sting you if you're a jerk. Wait, now does this cause colony... Cl- okay, serious question now. Does this actually cause colony collapse in just honeybees or in those you know head african africanized bees i have no idea this is a stupid paper sorry i'm not i'm not a biologist or an agriculturalist or whatever biologist be. you're a biologist they're called not... beekeepers cameron no that's, beekeepers don't like yeah right publish papers on oh bees. yeah because the guy who works with bees all day every day knows less than some scientist who sits in a lab and pokes bee carcasses I'm just saying. Look at you and your snooty, your snooty PhD. Yeah, and because they're busy raising bees, they probably know more bees than about yeah, bees than anyone. But they don't. I've publish. read ma- I've read many papers about bees. I therefore know more about bees than you, guy who has spent thirty years of his life working with bees every day. Cameron, are you secretly Doctor Bees? You take one. You take that back. <laughs> Two, you sound like the snooty academic who's like, oh, if you don't write a paper about it, how can you say you know it? No, that's not... That's exactly what you're doing. Maybe. That's exactly what you're doing. I just mean they're not sharing the knowledge. No, farmers also hate bees. For the record, they, they hire are... bees to come. That doesn't mean they love bees. They recognize them as necessary. They hate bees. Everybody hates bees. They sting you. They're mean. <laughs> 
For the record, the article says that they are honeybees. Just honeybees? Does it also? They like- say that uh, within each selected field, we chose the three honeybee hives with the strongest foraging forces by blah blah blah. So maybe they just didn't test Africanized bees. I guess not. It and might that- still affect them, or it might not. Maybe the- they're different. Because don't those not have the same like colony uh, metrics? I, I think they steal I don't other re- bee colonies. I really don't know that much about Africanized honeybees. I just know that they're that we that science created them in the what sixties in South America, and since I then, thought they just brought them over from Africa. Hence the no, term. no, they crossbred. They crossbred uh, African well, they, bees and South American bees. Yeah, so the Af- the African bees are. I, that's my understanding no, they're, from they're watching. Not, a documentary they're not African ones. bees. They're Africanized. Bees. Exactly. So what I'm. The way that I understand it, based on watching some documentary years ago, Doctor Bees is not a documentary. I said years ago, not today. <laughs> um, is that uh, some brought over some bees from Africa that are naturally aggressive, and they bred with the with the not so aggressive uh, South African bees, and then we got Africanized bees from that. So you know what I just said? Pretty sure they were creating. Yeah, that's what he said. Pretty sure they were creating a mad science experiment. No, but what I'm what I'm to saying is that a more Af- durable bee. <laughs> The, Af- the, the African bees were the Africanized bees. That's what I'm trying to say. My question is, why, do, why, do, why are we not just killing the Africanized bees? Actually, that's a good point. And you know what, dude? True conservationists, yeah. they advocate genocide all the time. That may be. Well, I guess that would actually be more technically xenos- like xenocide. Xenocide. You, if you make an Orson Scott card <laughs> reference right now, I'm going to punch you in the mouth. I was about to make an Orson Scott card reference. That guy hates gays. <laughs> he does hate gays. He hates gays almost as much as he hates Africans. Almost bees. as much as he hates bugs. And bees. Does he hate bees? Uh, he hates bugs. Bees are bugs. We should uh, move it along. So, bees. You guys, you guys don't think it's important. I nope. don't care about bees. All right. Well, I guess I am the odd man out then. Odd man out in bees. What's next? Heather's gonna hate this part, that part of the podcast. Yeah, well, whatever. I'll be on. I'm on Heather's side. From the first breath of sunlight, I could hear songs. Okay, so this next paper on my list, or on the list, is titled Towards Practical High Capacity Low Maintenance Information Storage in Synthesized DNA. It was published in Nature. And what they did in this paper is that they have. Just, just <laughs> read through it, camera. Just, just do it. Bees. <laughs> You're auditioning now for, like, a, a primetime radio show, and you have to be able to withstand distractions. Just withstand Chase talking about bees? He's not talking about anything. He's just talking. Just saying bees. <laughs> oh, man. I'm, I'm never going to be a real radio host. Because <laughs> I can't. Anyway, so what they did in this paper was that they, they made a uh, scalable method of storing computer data in DNA. Um... They were able to do this because of the new technologies that have been advanced that let you synthesize DNA uh, more easily and more cheaply. And they said that 
their speculation is that within 50 years they should be able to make a cost-effective sub-50 year archiving system using this DNA storage. Um, reason is because storing data for a long time is really difficult and like paper degrades, DVDs degrade, hard drives only last about 10 years, uh, cassette tapes only last 15 years, magnetic tape starts to degrade after that time so you lose some of the data. You also break the tape. Yeah and you break them. Because cassettes are stupid Cameron and you were dumb for buying Knife Man on cassette. But Magnetic media lasts you are so such long. such a hipster. I know, right? <laughs> you, know, there's an, you know there's a record label in this city right now that only puts that on tape? They would. And I, of course, Cooper cool. would find it. I don't know. Ask Chris. Okay. I don't know. Not, 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 not me. Other okay. Chris. There's right. like, we know 15 Chris's. In the interest of talking about DNA. DNA and data, here's an interesting point of fact. The average data contained within a single sperm is 37.5 megabytes. So the average lo the average ejaculate contains 1.6 terabytes of data. But isn't most of it the same? What? Most of it is the same. But I'm just saying. So I don't know if it's... Well, it's not not all that... I'm just saying that's... Not all that amount of unique data. Okay. We're also just saying that's kind of like, you know, like that's like the amount of biological data that can be stored in something, you know, not like, okay. you know. Okay, so DNA is very small and stores, can store a lot of data. Yeah. So that's why this is useful. That and DNA could last longer, I guess. I don't know why, how it would last longer because like... It, yeah, why would it last longer? It degrade. It's organic, so it degrades at just the same rate. It would degrade. We think it would it degrade, degrade faster, faster than a semiconductor. Yeah, but for some reason, they in saying, this paper, they say that it lasts longer. It can last longer. Maybe that's if it's frozen. It, yeah, it's it's got to be in the right environment. That's the key. Okay. Yep, that's that's scientific papers one hundred and one right there. Yeah, you got to say Fra frame everything very dishonestly. Mm. That's not scientific papers. That's that's papers in nature and science and science and just the big journals do that stuff because they're editorialized instead of uh, and, oh and you mean so that people will actually read them and give a crap yes. instead of reading the journal of incredibly different difficult physics yeah well that's why almost all of our paper unfortunately that's why almost all of our papers are on this list are from these journals is because these are the big fancy ones that are easy to find and everyone talks about admit it you got the, you got all these papers off a list that you found on BuzzFeed, didn't you? <laughs> what gifs did they have for this one? Gifs. <laughs> Ten scientific papers that'll blow your mind. <laughs> Ten scientific papers Whatever. that you wish were from the nineties or that, something. You know, what really bothers me about that is that BuzzFeed it's... absolutely stole its article format from Cracked and then removed everything that would be mistaken for originality or humor. <laughs> So they say ah. that they, they were able to store 739 kilobytes of data um, and retrieve it with 100% accuracy. Somewhere in the actual paper, it's, uh, they say that they, they managed to put um, Martin Luther King's I Have a Dream speech onto a strand of DNA. Okay, well, that's, that's probably cool. about yeah. 139 yeah. kilobytes yeah. or 739 yeah. kilobytes. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, so that, that's, that's an interesting, that's a good choice. Right? If you had to put a piece of data, would you do 800 kilobytes of lorem ipsum? Or I would probably do the uh, I'll probably do that famous cookie recipe that was you know put from on from Tool all, from all those you know well not that I was saying the one that was a subject of all those spam emails back in the early 2000s because we've been making a lot of 2000s jokes early right now we made a bunch of IRC jokes earlier. 
Use use net. Use net. Excuse me. Are you talking about the balls of Satan? No, I don't, the, I don't no, remember the, your spam no, cookie it was like, recipe. It, no, there was a spam cookie recipe that is like you know this is like a really like this is like a cookie recipe from like a really famous restaurant in New York and whatever, and they don't want and you know it's they normally sell for two hundred dollars, but you can get it for twenty. It was like a, it was like a it was like a Nigerian prince phishing scam. Okay. Uh, okay. Oh, we should have saved some Nigerian prince emails on some DNA first. So they uh, they made some advances that were they allowed people to do that data storage thing, and that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. I don't know about storing data in DNA. I mean, would you have to? I like our I like the I liked our trillion year storage thing we talked about a few episodes ago. Yeah, that was kind of cool. Was it was a trillion year or was it billion year? I wasn't paying attention. Billion year storage. Was it even million year? Million year storage million is what they years. tested. That was QR codes etched in like tungsten covered with silicon nitride that would last a million years plus. Theoretically. Theor- well, no, they used Arrhenius law to test it to a million years at room temperature. Yeah, theoretically. Room temperature in one environment. Yeah, that's what's that's true. Okay, so theoretically. It's theoretically. Last like a million years. Yeah. It's adorable. You get you lab guys are always like, it can last a million years. I'm like, really? And like the, the industry guys are like, if we give it 150. <laughs> Regardless, <laughs> lab life of a DVD is what eight years. That was like seven years. No, DVDs are short term because yeah. they warp. Google. I heard somewhere old. No, hard no. drives are ten. Cassettes are like fifteen to twenty. Maybe okay. So then, what, are CDs something a lot longer than CDs are short? Okay, that's really strange, code Then because I read somewhere that I can't remember right now. That CDs are supposed to last like seventy five years. Really? Yeah. Okay. Well, well, Chase is googling it. We'll yeah, that was the, that was the whole point of uh, people converting VHSs to to DVDs or VCDs. I think that's just digital because digital will last forever because you can keep converting it. Yeah, but I that, don't know how reactive this is because it's on a forum called DVD Talk, but. Somebody said, since radio DVDs and Blu-rays, DVDs are not archival medium. Anyone know how long they will last before they become unplayable? I think I read someplace that they would figure they would last around 10 years and then go bad and become unplayable. Somebody said it's about actually 5.6 years if they are not hermetically sealed, then 6.2. It kind of sounds like a bunch of horse to me because I definitely have 10-year-old DVDs that oh, I yeah. still play. They still work, but... I have a 15-year-old hard drive that still works fine, too. It's just like the are average... It's within one sigma or something, and or quite, six and, quite sigma. and quite frankly, I believe that they're ten. I can't believe, quite frankly, I believe that you know, if you're on a forum called DVD Talk, you probably are like, oh, I lost a thousandth of a percent of quality. This is unusable. I have to go buy a new Blu-ray. But if you're talking about storing stuff like Martin Luther King's speech, if you lose eight bits of that, you lose a letter. You don't know what the word is anymore. A letter. I'm pretty sure. Actually, they found that if you actually yeah, I yes, we saw that on the bar poster, where they switched all the letters around. That wasn't. I don't. I I didn't see that on no bar poster. I saw that at a Jimmy John's. All right. (laughs) That's all right. That's a little bit. That's a little bit loftier. That only works if you keep the first and last letter in the same place, though. Yeah. So if you don't lose the first, what if you lose the first letter? Then you're done. I'm pretty sure you can guess the rest of it based out of context. What if there are two words that are the same? Then you're done. You're screwed. Yeah. Wait, can you not guess in con- can you not guess no. guess the context? No. no, context doesn't exist. What if it's something what if context doesn't exist? No. Because you're Are you telling me that you will not know the difference if you say I never ate pickles 
if you if you if, but you, but you lose the end, you won't be able to tell the difference between I I ever ate pickles, I sever ate pickles, I ever ate I pickles. ever ate pickles. <laughs> Have I ever eaten pickles? Yes. That's, so what you're telling me is you don't speak English. <laughs> All I'm saying is you don't want to lose data. What if it's a, a what if it's a Bitcoin and then you lose your Bitcoin? Because... And then you have no one to blame but yourself, retard, for investing in bitcoins. How's that Dogecoin going, dumb. by the way? I have 90 Dogecoins that I mined. 90 Dogecoins? All right. Well, after DNA storage, uh, another nature paper titled Natural Gold Particles in Eucalyptus Leaves and Their Relevance to Exploration for Buried Gold Deposits. So what they did was they were able to predict where there were underground gold deposits based instead of like using traditional mining techniques they just checked the contents of the leaves and if the leaves had this amount of gold then you could tell okay there's that much gold underneath the tree how do they not, what how, how do they not know they just have some blinging koalas live there like well, koala wrappers well i think that's they, they tested both ways they test the trees and then they checked it for real Okay, so the implication of this is that whole is that you know apparently, go figure. Trees suck up the minerals present in their environment. Yeah, but it, why I mean, did this make of... a top hundred list? It's not a long, long because nobody the bees paper. <laughs> nobody no, had ever done it before. No, nobody no, had ever checked a tree to see what's underneath. It. Nobody, yeah, no, um, they never bothered. I guess nothing is happening in Australia that isn't just soul crushingly terrifying. Except for you know, it's like, hey, we found some gold here that wasn't. <laughs> but isn't this cheaper than doing like a mining expedition? It's cheaper than taking cores. You just take a, a leaf and you, I don't know, do mass spectroscopy on it. So what happens? When How you much do wa- you think mass spectroscopy costs? A lot less than doing a core and then doing mass spectroscopy. So what happens when you want to find about out about what an happened? area where there aren't eucalyptus trees? Yeah. Maybe you use another tree? Maybe maybe if you consider that a lot of gold is in places where there isn't any trees. Uh, I, had, I, mean, I hadn't I, actually thought of that. No. Yeah. As somebody who has considered going to work for the mining industry in Australia, I can tell you that most of Australia is a desolate wasteland. <laughs> when did you consider going to Australia? Like forever. And why didn't you do it? Because, but that's Australia. I I mean, I would have been making bank. You know, it would have been like, yeah, they were offering like two hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year salaries. Yeah. But you had to live out in the desert with a bunch of sweaty miners so for three do years. It for three years, and then you come awful. back. That's awful. I would be terrible. That's like doing one of those. They don't uh, even have Wi-Fi. Arctic, it's like doing one of the Arctic don't ones for three Wi-Fi years out there. But, Wait, this sounds a lot like what you guys live in now. I don't live here anymore, but. You know, you guys live out here in the desert with a bunch of sweaty people. They're not miners, but they're, you know, sweaty people. Yeah, but we have beer bars that have a delicious craft brews. Beer is expensive in Australia. Beer is super expensive in Australia, but also minimum wage is fifteen fifty an hour, so there's that. Oh, I had no idea. Let's move on. Koalas is that interesting? It saves no. money? It's pretty cool where trees are. Yeah, it saves money for the mining industry. 
because they are so hard up for cash. All right. So maybe it reduces and, some environmental impact of mining testing or whatever. I'm pretty sure a core sample doesn't fuck up the environment. Too yeah, bad. that's true. And also, just a point of fact, if they find gold in the eucalyptus trees, they're going to tear up those eucalyptus <laughs> trees and create a strip mine because Australia does not care about its outback and all that lives there is spiders that fly up and eat your face. Headcrabs? Yes, yeah, so Australia is headcrabs. That's all they have out there. They have the funnel web spider, which is aggressive, poisonous, and lives in cities. Better than and South they, America, there's no like Brazilian wandering spider. They also bananas. Yeah, they also have the bird eating spider there. The spider that is so big that it eats birds. <laughs> All right, I get it. Australia's scary. It's terrifying. Doesn't Japan have like this uh uh, this huge spider that's like no, they have they, they this have, big. No, that's, a, that's also a crab. <laughs> they have freaking spiders. No, that they have like those. No, no, they have. That's a crab. That's the spider crab. It has. It's a. It has a sixteen foot. Um. Oh yeah. What wingspan? It. It's a yeah. crab. It's a crab. What? They found it near Fukushima. It's one crab. A species of crab. It's a species of crab that are spider sixteen crab. feet across. Across wingspan. <laughs> You said wingspan. I was waiting how long it would take you to catch that. The next paper is using 20 million year old amber to test the superinous behavior of glass forming systems. Awesome. So okay. this is cool. No, this isn't. Yes, it is. It needs to be 45 or 50 million years older, and they need to be pulling the DNA out of mosquitoes to make dinosaurs. Okay, but the point what this what this paper did was it basically settled the debate once and for all that glass Park. is not a liquid. Glass does not, if you put a pane of glass up as a window, it's not a liquid. It does not flow to the bottom. The reason it's thicker at the bottom in really old cathedrals is because they put the thicker side on the bottom so that it was heavier on the bottom, because that makes sense. So this is basically some more of that ancient aliens bull that we, we believe that people were completely stupid and didn't know what they were doing up until about a hundred years ago. Yeah, this is like, this, but this is like a serious debate in material science, not... At debate, we know that glass is a form of solid. It's just where the atoms are all arranged without any periodic, no, be without any long-range order. Did you it's say a, a form of solid, or did you say amorphous solid? It's an amorphous solid. I said a form of the solid. Yeah, it's an amorphous solid. Yeah, yeah. it's an amorphous solid. So there's just no long-range periodicity. There's no crystal structure in a glass. Which but a lot I, of people have said there's, there's this rumor or urban legend that glass is a liquid, and that if you have a glass... Like a glass window for long enough, it'll flow to the bottom, and it'll start to get thicker at the bottom. Which, this shows that it's not true. Okay, I actually just want to point this out. This is a little bit of something that we can so finally inject some material science into this yeah. idiocy that has been this podcast. This has been pretty bad. This has been bad. Anyway, well, it'll be amusing for our readers. But anyway, so a little bit of material science context. A common misconception is because of 
terminology is that crystal, what we call crystal, actually has literally no crystal structure because it is completely amorphous and that is what prevents that is what actually allows light to refract through it. If a true a truly crystalline ordered structure will not allow light through. That depends. Wait, what are you talking about? Well, what the structure are we if talking about? If we're talking about something like a like a geode where it's going to be sapphire. So aluminum oxide crystal. Al2O3 is not is is opaque in amorphous. Amorphous Al2O3 is opaque. Okay. Crystalline <laughs> is is I guess clear, a... but only because the band gap is larger than the light than the the, light. the visible wavelength. Okay, so I guess I was talking mostly about like uh, in most I was cases. About, I was talking about metal. I was talking about metal crystals. Okay, yeah. In like most a me- cases, a, metallic, a crystal, a metallic crystal, you could wait. Actually, question: no. metallic glasses are also opaque, but. Would it be possible to? Uh, oh, metallic glasses are also opaque. Yeah. Like an amorphous amorphous metal is opaque. Yes. So what you're telling me is that the transparent steel that we hear about in Star Wars is just a bunch of probably. Lame. Yeah, unfortunately, metallic glasses are opaque still, but that's because they have the sea of electrons. I hope some I hope some Joker names like we find like a some astro- astrologer finds a sea on a new planet and names it the sea of electrons. Oh man. That's my new band name. Sea of Electrons. Yeah, yeah it's going to be my uh, my but math rock band name. Shouldn't your math rock... I thought your math rock band name was going to be Series of Tubes. I have a lot of math rock bands. You don't play any instrument. Have we finished this Yeah, one? we're done talking about... Yeah, we're done. We're done talking about bison poop or whatever we were talking about. Koala poop? Glass. Oh, the sure. only material science one on the entire list. And we talked about... You should have put it first, so we would have paid more attention. I think I'm going to delete this whole thing and just re-record it. Don't do it. It's the Christmas episode. Nobody expects the holiday episode to be any good. This is your your Star Wars Christmas special of episodes. (laughs) So, well, I guess that's all we have to say about glass. So, for real, glass is not a liquid. It's a solid. Yeah, I always knew that. Duly noted. Yeah, but a lot of people don't. Well, I knew that. You knew that because you read this Callister book freshman year. The book that's holding up the mark. Yes. Well, you heard about it in class. That's true. So, the next thing, this isn't really a scientific uh, paper or anything, um, but I think something that happened that's really important to science is this, uh, the Chelyabinsk meteor that hit in Chelyabinsk and blew up in the atmosphere and broke a lot of windows, and there were a lot of really dramatic dash cam videos taken of it and posted on the internet. That's right. Thank God it happened in Russia, because everybody and their dog there has a dash cam in their car. Well, they do in uh, Korea and too, right? Okay. Yeah. Is that another national stereotype? You racist? No, it's it's an insurance thing. We had a Korean uh, t- lab TA who told us that um, that everybody there has a has a dash cam because for insurance reasons. This guy was rad. Yeah, he was pretty cool. Okay, 
This also launched a bajillion in Soviet Russia media, you know, meteor hits you or whatever jokes. Like a really? lot of ill-considered jokes. Yeah, on the internet. I don't remember seeing any of those. I guess I wasn't really on the internet then. Apparently not. But yeah, there were a lot of really terrible in Soviet Russia, you know, meteor, 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 bees. Bees. So. Bees. So in this paper... They were able to find uh, the exact, almost the exact angle at which uh, the meteor hit the atmosphere is like 18 plus or minus 0.2 degrees or something like that. And they were able to find um, the like exact altitudes where various phases of it breaking up start. Like there was a shockwave forming at 90 kilometers above and something started breaking up at like 50 or something like that. And um, so that, that was kind of cool if you think about how, um, you know, in 1908, back if you think about the... Tunguska event. Uh, for the longest time, nobody really knew what that was. They thought it was just, oh, well, something happened there, and it destroyed a lot of crap, and we don't know what it was. Yeah, it wasn't even until the 2000s that we really knew what it was. A lot of people, there was a lot of really crazy speculation about Tunguska, like that it was uh, where Tesla test-fired his death ray, mm-hmm. um, and it was a nuclear explosion that had gone off before the United States had tested nukes, and a lot of that kind of stuff. Sorry, I'm reading about the Pope right now. So. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, this Pope guy is a pretty cool dude. Yeah, he's really cool. He's pretty. Cool. Uh, the, I would have put the Pope on this list, but he's not science. He was a chemical. I, uh, what did he, he was a chemical analyst. I will say this about the Pope: the Pope did do something pretty rad, science related. Because for a lot of scientists who are atheists, he said, "You know, you're a good person. Who am I to judge?" So, you hmm. know. Sweet guy, Pope. I want to put that on my top hundred moments for science. All right, and reason. Pope's the Pope sneaks out of the Vatican on a regular basis to feed the homeless. Yeah, God, he's, he's, he's so cool. He's is he also Batman? Out. Is he like, also Batman? Legitimately, he might be Batman. Is he Doctor Bees? He's not Doctor Bees. There are no bees in the Vatican. Uh, are you sure? I'm pretty sure they have an apiary in the va- in the Vatican. All right, so. <laughs> Soviet. There was a meteor, and a lot of people saw it because they all have dash cams over there, and they were able to measure exactly how it came into the atmosphere, and it was really cool. Yeah, but the reason I put this on the list wasn't because of like what they discovered. I don't know that there was really that much information gotten out of this, but the biggest thing that it did was it really brought science and astronomy into the public. Like It made people realize, oh look, an asteroid that does damage really could hit Earth. And it did. Like, certainly it didn't kill us all, but it did uh, It did break some windows and hurt some people. And it was really dramatically shown in videos on YouTube. So I think this, even if it's not necessarily a science paper, it was science public service. Um, Everybody got super stoked on reading about, you know, a meteor hitting Russia. Yeah, so then people started to care about oh, maybe we should, look, meteors actually do hit Earth. Maybe we should care about NASA and care about lasers. Uh, lasers. We had a paper about lasers. We did have a laser a paper about lasers deflecting asteroids. As suggested by the documentary Deep Impact. <laughs> but it really, it really brought this to reality. Because, yeah, before it was always just, Deep oh, impact. an asteroid killed the dinosaurs. Oh, all we have to do is nuke the asteroid. But all we have to do is nuke the asteroid because asteroids, nukes, solve everything. <laughs> but it's it's only a matter of time before something 
large enough to cause a lot of damage hits Earth. Like, there's no if, it's just when. That's the same thing Phil Plate and Neil deGrasse Tyson always say about this, is that it's not, yeah, it's not if, it's when. Asteroids are nature's way of asking, how's that space program coming along? Yeah, yeah, basically. Um, so, pretty cool stuff. Yep. All this gravity will try to pull you down. And the final paper on this list, uh, well, not a paper again, this is an uh, engineering effort put forth by Elon Musk and uh, Tesla and SpaceX and all of his, his people. Hyperloop. And yes, this is the, the Hyperloop. Hyperloop. Um, Chase, who is the engineer in the group, had never heard of the Hyperloop somehow. But seriously, how have you not heard of the Hyperloop? I haven't heard of it before today. I also don't. Are you si- serious? I also don't read science news. No, I've never heard of the Hyperloop because I don't. Ke- I don't keep a point of like. But this was like on Facebook and on the news, on CNN, on ABC, on Fox. It was, was, it on, was it on Popat? No. Then I don't. I didn't read it. If it wasn't staring at me on my lab computer, then I haven't heard of it. It should have been staring at you on your lab computer. Yeah, but it's just it's just another one of these like you know really just overambitious like okay I'm not gonna say okay. Elon Musk has had a couple suspicions, a couple successes with the Tesla electric car and SpaceX, the private space company, and, and those PayPal, the, which paid for both. Of that's those. right, and PayPal. <laughs> but but I'm saying in terms of the like his engineering stuff, PayPal is just that's just just computer science, whatever. Exactly. Who cares? Sorry, Paul. Um, Sorry, computer scientists. You're important. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> anyway. Um, but the concept, but the, but the whole point behind it is, it's just like you know, those are areas where like they didn't really, especially with SpaceX, they aren't pushing the boundary of beyond what is like currently accepted technology, like the electric car. Yeah, but there have been prototypes of electric cars used a lot. This is something that we've never used. It's it's a completely different. It's a completely. I don't, I don't a, know how it's it's a completely untested form of technology. You're trying to make a vacuum tube. That go up a, a tube that's at you know what what was it? it's like one millibar pressure from one millibar pressure that goes from Los Angeles to San Francisco and they're like oh well we have a computer simulation that says it'll work yeah but that doesn't mean anything because you have a that's like five hundred miles of that's why they're not of they're not sea, trying to build it yet of sea air what are you gonna build the material out of how are you gonna keep this is the engineering feat is that they actually calculated everything. How much it would cost, what materials they would use, how they would manufacture, yeah, but, but, and it would be and more yet, steel. But, and, and the, no, wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. they say they count, they they did that, but they've been they've been drawing criticism from pretty much every single other organization as to the budget that would be expected for. Oh yeah, this thing they were saying seven to eight billion dollars to make a test tube from San Francisco to LA. They're high. They are absolutely high because one, it's not going to go off without a hitch. Two. There's going to be ad labor costs. Three, there's going to be delays. These are just things that you have to do. And the fact of the matter is, 
this is totally untested technology in the field. Absolutely. And the, even the best computer simulation will never be able to completely, you know, just account for every variable and every construction cost because their people are stupid and people will make mistakes. And you'll it all it takes to just completely crash the system is one person just phoning it in one day and wrecking one part one foot long section of this tube and the whole thing is fucked. And that's what I'm saying. I'm saying it's a, it's an interesting concept. The actual execution, I doubt that it's even feasible at all. I don't think that's the point. The point isn't to actually build this. It's to say, so you, so look what you could do with it. Well, the, he's not going. He his, when he released it, they he they did the whole thing. They made all the plans, and then they publicly released it and said, "Look what you could do." They if, said, and I could, am not going you, to do this. What could you look? What you could do if you were you know a if race you, of demigods who never made mistakes. <laughs> This, yeah, this is what science could do. This is actually similar to uh, something that I saw a while back. It was along, really along the same lines where it's this enormous long vacuum tube, but it, instead of going from L.A. to San Francisco, it goes from L.A. to Tokyo. And it's, I kind of agree with Chase on this, it's completely unfeasible. It's it's a pipe dream. It's It could never... <laughs> it's literally a pipe dream. It's literally ah, a pipe dream. <laughs> I see what you do there. No, this is... Truly, the space elevator of transportation. I don't. I don't see how different it is than a rocket. It's just there's no military reason to do it, so it'll never happen. Uh, there's. You don't think the military would be interested in something that would be like okay, the fastest C, you know, C one forty plane that can go. You, you don't think they would be interested in something that can transport troops and material from one side of the country to the other in a matter of hour, in a matter of like. 20. No, because it's not reasonable for the military because they don't need something. A hundred percent of the time, that costs. It was like the amount of steel required to build the tube is more than the United States produces in a year. So that's uh, sort that's, of what makes also, it implausible. Uh, but it's also not... another unreasonable thing because a lot of other industries also need that steel. Yes. And the fact of the matter is, it's not a, a so thing wait, that's so ever so... going to be built. It's a just like the space elevator. Just like the space elevator. And how we said how is it any different than a rocket? The rocket is a proven technology, and the fact of the matter is the rocket is a one-time-use launch vehicle that is a one a singular purpose that does not have to be... It's, it's service lifetime, assuming that it isn't sitting in a silo for 20 years and then launched as a defensive measure. The service lifetime of a rocket is less than 10 minutes. Unless it's like the SpaceX Dragon one, the relaunchable one that they've already used twice. But I'm saying the most, the most fighting words to chase. <laughs> sorry, sorry, Lockheed Martin and orbital scientists. <laughs> I'm saying that the actual level of design, I'm sure that went into a space that that single reusable SpaceX rocket is probably if you did a like a if you did a cost balance in terms of the actual well, budget, it's less. It's less than, than this than this tube hyperloop. No, I'm talking about just the standard missile. Or a standard relaunch, like the relaunchable missile. You're not saving the actual design work that goes. You'd have to relaunch it, what, a half dozen times. Getting back a little bit more on on topic, more on raining on Cameron's parade of uh, this this uh, hyperloop thing. So let's say they do build it. Let's say that it, it's a working system and it works great for the first few times and people are using it. What if there's an earthquake? 
This is this is direct, this is yes. in California. This is one of the most active places in the world in terms of earthquakes. Then it's destroyed. Then it it's not only destroyed, but if what happens if there's an earthquake while people are using it? It has to stop somehow. Yeah. It ha- yeah. That's it would destroy itself. So Or at least it would lose vacuum. And then you'd have to pump down the whole thing again. That's true. Yep. So it's not a realistic thing at all. It's just not it's really, a it's a great yeah. engineering feat. And it's, it's a great a little cool thingy. thing. It's a great little thing that your grandma saw on the internet, and she forwarded it to all her friends, and you got the chain email. And it's never going to happen. That's all right, so that's... In the grand tradition <laughs> of year-endless, this was an unfocused mess of drunken idiocy due to holiday revelry. Thanks for listening to this episode of Laser. Um, please listen to the next one. I really hope that you didn't listen to this one. I hope nice. you did. This is the one that I am on. It's the only one. Maybe uh, thank you to Chris for joining us this time, and hopefully he joins us again in the future via Skype or something when he's back in Michigan. And uh, hopefully Chase isn't as drunk next time he joins us. All right, bye. Merry Christmas, y'all. Thanks for listening. This has been the Laser Podcast, or Let's Agree Science and Engineering are rad. Show notes are available on the website at laserpodcast.com. You can send us an email, contact at laserpodcast.com. Contact us on Twitter at laserpodcast, or find us on Facebook or Google+. You can leave a rating on iTunes or listen to us on Stitcher. The intro music is Open from the band Crying, and the outro music is Dreams Are Maps from The Wild. You can find more information about the show, links to all the stories we talk about, in the show notes on the website. Thanks. Bye. for 199 yeah don't bother don't bother natural gold power eucalyptus leaves yeah that's cool so what you're telling me is that koala bears shit gold no i don't that's exactly what you're telling me do they eat the leaves that's the entire that's all koala bears eat i know that they eat eucalyptus but i didn't know it was just the leaves it was the branches or something. I don't know. It'll show up in their. It'll all show up in their poop. It's like no, we'll we'll turn everything in the leaf into non-poop, and the branch becomes poop. <laughs> Damn, we're wasting so much good material. It's, it's recording. Ah. <laughs> hey, sexy lady, you want to kill all humans? I don't know. Watch a lot of Futurama. I like Bender. Hitler. Welcome to the Laser Materials Dance Podcast.
Should we at least start? Should we start the podcast? Yeah, we should probably start the podcast. Intro. Are you guys ready? Introduce. All right. An in-depth analysis of a piece of shit distribution of Shistosoma Mansoni. Macaroni. <laughs> sure that's like, I'm pretty sure Shistosoma Mansoni is like an Italian is like a Brook like an Italian American rapper from Brooklyn. <laughs> I don't I don't think so. Anyway, it's about hookworm eggs. Please but the, the please leave this whole discussion in here the, and please bleep yourself because I think it's funny. <laughs> the title of the article is An In Depth Analysis of a Piece of Shit. They, how, they how do they get how do they get that through? Yeah, what the hell journal is it in? I, like the seal or uh what's the other What? Seal the guy Seal the, the band? He's an artist. He's one person. Seal or Prince or Yeah, hires a backup backing band, it makes him a band. It's like the mountain goats is just one dude, but there's a band. Okay. People have heard of my reference. <laughs> People who listen to podcasts know who the mountain goats are. Do they? Yeah. Do they? Probably. All right. Anybody who doesn't know who the mountain goats in they're terrible. Is send me an email and and he'll send you terrible, terrible <laughs> off-key folk songs that are bad. <laughs> they're really bad. That's not the point. They're bad. They're not bad. They're terrible. Did you just advocate genocide or even be genocide on Beocide. Genobies. That's <laughs> bees, bees, bees. <laughs> Bees. 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 The next paper on my list is uh, titled Towards Practical High Capacity Low Maintenance Information Storage in Synthesized DNA. And uh, this paper was published in Nature. (laughs) We really should save the bees thing for last.
This is a stupid podcast, and I hate it. <laughs> I resent coming over. Oh. Even the... <laughs> I traveled 1,600 miles just to be here, so make it yeah. good. Yeah. Isn't this a great podcast? I'm sure Cameron had better <laughs> dreams for this podcast <laughs> when he originally gets it. It's like, I'll get some really intelligent people together, and we'll talk about an interesting science. But things. instead, he got stuck with me and Chase. Turning Reddit memes into... For our listeners, Cameron just spent the last five minutes with his, like, you know, with his hand over his eyes, just stretched back, just going, I wish I was dead. <laughs> what paper are we talking about? It's the eucalyptus gold paper. Bees. Much, we've talked about it already. Let's move on. It's the poop and the bees. Have we really talked about the it? Koalas and the bees. There's gold in trees, and it only works where trees are. This is probably the worst podcast I've ever recorded. It's because I'm here. No. It's because I'm drunk. I usually stay sober. Oh, okay. <laughs>